we have all these rules and I'm always really interested in understanding how do I do all of those things I'm supposed to do and understand the essence and spirit of them, but do it in my own way, do it in a way that feels right to me. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. Today, you get to hear from Dr. Megan Walker. We're going to dive into finding one's purpose. This is going to be an episode you do not want to miss. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Megan Walker. She's a naturopathic doctor and anthropologist focusing on the health optimization of entrepreneurs and game changers. As an entrepreneur, Megan started and sold her first business while in university and is co-founder and past CEO of the digital health media startup, Bright Almond. Megan founded and sold her first clinic, the Integrative Health Institute, after graduation from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine and went on to found and sell her second micropractice, Anthropology Performance Lab. She's currently the host of the Anthropology Podcast, CEO of Anthropology Labs, co-founder of Health Hives, the creator of the women's performance supplement line, Badass Fuel, and chief cheerleader at Clinician Business Labs, a platform to assist clinicians scale and amplify their businesses. Megan is an award-winning speaker, having spoken on international stages and through multiple media outlets on topics related to women's performance medicine, brain health, and entrepreneurship. Megan is a host and producer of the annual Entrepreneurship Conference Impact Lives, and most importantly, the Bedtime Story Reader to her three young girls. Welcome to the show, Dr. Megan Walker. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. Anthropology is like difficult to pronounce. <laughs> Anthropology. Yeah, I know. So in hindsight, like when I talk on talk to clinicians about business, I'm like, pick a business name that people can pronounce and spell. But you know, I love it. I just I'm like, wow, tongue twister here. <laughs> a lot of anthropology in that bio. So obviously, I read a little bit about you in your bio, but I want you to tell us about yourself and how you got so interested in this anthropology and helping specifically women business owners become badasses. I'll be honest, I never swear. So even saying badass, I'm like, oh, badass. But I'll say, I'll say powerhouse, how you became interested in helping women become powerhouses. So how did you end up in this field, which really sounds like is your purpose? And we're going to get to purpose today. So that's kind of a loaded question. But tell us about yourself and how you landed here. Yeah, sure. Thanks for the question. So I think I've been an entrepreneur since I was a kid. I grew up in an entrepreneurial household. I was constantly like, coming up with ideas. Um, and you know, when I was, when I was still in high school, I got fired from my first and only job. Well, we mutually parted ways. Um, (laughs) and I was like, what am I going to do? My parents were like, it is not an option for you to sit on your rear end for the summer. Like, what are you doing? And so, um, I went and worked with a friend and she, she was cleaning cottages. And I went, okay, this is easy for me to do. Like I had a fanatic mother when it came to what our house looked like I can clean. And then she's like, I don't really want to do this. And I've got a few people I help out. And I was like, I would love to take over your business. So I took over her business and grew it. At what age? I was 18. Okay. And so, and then I was like, all these people have cottages on islands. I bet they want their cottage clean too. So I would go to the islands and anyways, so by three years into this, I had 11 different summer students who worked with me. We cleaned all of these different cottages. And I was like, my goodness, I have all sorts of things I'd like to do with my life, but definitely it's going to revolve around the fact that I want to have my own business because one, I, it was ingrained in me very young. You're unemployable. Um, and two, <laughs> I, for some people, that'd be a limiting belief for me. That was the most empowering and liberating idea that had come to fruition. And two, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like I can actually now sit on my dock during the week and have people who work with me 
off earning me revenue to pay for school. Like this was just mind blowing. So, you know, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And then, you know, as so many of us have it, when we, I became a naturopathic doctor, I had my own health issue and I went to see a naturopathic doctor and he asked me this really intelligent question after I'd seen all these doctors to figure it out. He said, Megan, tell me how your body has always and historically responded to stress. And I don't even remember my answer and I don't remember what he did, but I was so struck by the intelligence of the question because it was coming after this pattern that my body was stuck in from a completely different angle than everybody else. And so I went, okay, I know I want to be an entrepreneur, but man, I cannot shake this naturopathic medicine thing. It's such an intelligent approach to problem solving and system thinking. And so long story short, I, you know, I I went to university, did my thing, became a naturopathic doctor. And I was like, this is perfect because not only do I get to work with patients, but I get to be an entrepreneur. And I was really clear early on, once I started to see incredible results, I want more and more people to have access to these, this system of medicine, this way of thinking, let's, let's treat the root cause. And so, you know, the through line of everything I did from there on in was how can I get more people to have access to this system of medicine? Really quickly, I realized it couldn't be just through me. It couldn't just be through our clinic. Like I would tap out in terms of time. I was like, how do we scale this? And so I had a variety of different business initiatives along the way, but every single one of them served this larger purpose in my mind, which was how do we get more people to have access to these systems of medicine? So any business or initiative that we have taken on has always been in alignment with serving serving that purpose. And so for me, really quickly, I started to realize the power of purpose in my own life and then started to explore to my patients who were predominantly entrepreneurs themselves. And we came up with some really compelling approaches to care as a result. I love it. I love it. I love it. So why is finding and living your purpose critical to health? I I know I feel very called to, you know, what I do. And I I think a lot of individuals in healthcare got into healthcare, like for that reason, they knew they always wanted to be a nurse or doctor, you know, whatnot. So I feel very blessed. But I have a lot of friends who still just kind of feel like they haven't quite found their purpose. And so first, why is finding it so important even to our health? And then we'll go about talking about like how we get there to finding our purpose. I feel for any of these concepts, we could look at it as a continuum. And so if we look at this continuum, there's some people out on one end who are like, oh my gosh, I get up and I live my purpose every day and I bounce out of bed and you're like, oh my gosh, they got a lot of energy, but they're like, they have total clarity. They're living it. They're monetizing on it. They're like, it's what I'm good at. Like good for them, Richard Branson, right? Like they're, if we used him as sort of the archetype of that individual, On the other end of that continuum, we have those people where Sunday night, they're in a full-blown state of anxiety. Mm. They don't want to get up Monday morning. They hate the work they do. They resent the people they work with. It is just a paycheck to them. They self-sabotage other areas of their life, health, in an attempt Mm. to avoid what it is that they spend their time on, which is one of your most, if not the most limiting resource you have access to as a human being. And they're miserable. Their health is failing as a result. Their spirituality is failing as a result. Their family is suffering as a result of that piece. Their work and their lack of clarity around purpose is literally consuming their life. And so if we look Mm. at these two pieces as a continuum, and I were just to say at surface value without any markers, who is likely healthier we're all going to look at the Richard Branson archetype and be like, oh my gosh, well, of course this person is. So, you know, at a very superficial level, before we actually get into it and we start to talk about the science behind it, there is something that happens to you physiologically when you have the opportunity to get up and work in alignment with your purpose 
every single day. And we can, mm-hmm. we can talk about what purpose actually is. Cause I think there's some misnomers around what it means to live in and on purpose, but it starts fundamentally and it's fundamentally important to your health because it literally gives you a reason to live. It is the why mm-hmm. behind why I'm going to go and I'm going to work out, why I'm going to take those supplements, why I'm going to go do that cold shower or whatever it is that you're doing as part of this routine right now. It's because it fuels that purpose in your life. So it gives you access to contribution and something that's bigger than yourself. And that in and of itself is actually a critical element when it comes to looking at health as a whole and, you know, to speak your language to longevity. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. We know it's important specifically to health. So how does one go about finding their purpose? Right. So loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No problem. Let me just like <laughs> hand it. That's like with businesses. How do I find my niche? So, you know, purpose is is really a confluence of a variety of different elements. And and I'll go into what those elements are. But you know what? I've I've really literally interviewed on my own podcast like hundreds of people and said, What is your purpose? And how do you know you found it? And overwhelmingly, people describe this notion of purpose as being a feeling, as opposed to having hit a series of objectives. And I actually have found when we look at things objectively and start to look at the markers, the physiological markers that change when someone can identify that they are living on purpose, I've actually found that those markers will start to shift simply by someone making the decision to commit to discovering their purpose it's actually as critical as identifying the purpose itself. So I want to make that point because I think a lot of people get stuck, right? Where they're like, well, I can't find my purpose. Or I love that you want me to quit my job, Megan. It's just, I have to provide, I have to provide for my family. So I'm not in that privileged position. Simply the decision, wanting to look for your purpose is one of those things that is actually just as critical. Secondly, there's two precursors that need to be in place for us to start to explore purpose. The first is you actually have to have the self-worth and that sense of self-worthiness that is sufficient to give yourself permission and the self-authorization to explore it. So this isn't something where you can go home and be like, okay, I'm going to talk to my partner and see if they're cool with me exploring my life purpose. This is not something that you seek permission for. You have to be in a sufficient state of self-worthiness that you are okay saying, guess what, guys? Mom is actually going to start to pursue this and I'm going to need some time for it to happen. Or guess what, work colleagues? I need room to do this. Or guess what, friends? I'm not getting together with you on Saturday night because I'm working through something really big in my own life. So you actually have to value yourself enough to want to step forward in this. And I really do feel like I need to say this because I've stood in front of rooms of like hundreds of women And they're all looking at me like, this sounds great, but I'm like, I just want you all to know you have permission today to pursue your purpose. Literally 50% of the room just burst into tears. They were waiting for permission to do this. So I want you to know that it's a once in a lifetime opportunity that someone gives you permission to pursue your purpose. What you really have to do is just walk up to the shelf and decide that you want to take it back. So this is a moment of self-actualization. So that part needs to be in place. The second thing that needs to be in place is you need to carve out time to do it. So you literally need to create blank space in your life and in your schedule in order to pursue and work on your purpose, to identify the skill set that informs that purpose, to get clear on what it actually feels like to be in alignment with purpose. That doesn't mean you need two days a week, 
but it does mean that you need to be able to carve out the time. And I really, when I talk about time, we have a time system that we use. We identify four different types of time in one's life. You really need to be able to carve out time. We call it deep work time and these momentum moments that we get access to. You need to be able to carve that time out in order to be able to pursue it. So you need those two things. You need that state of self-worth and you need to create that time. Then we can start to talk about what purpose is. And so when I look at purpose, I, I love the example of um, Ikigai. So in of what, what did you say? Ikigai is a Japanese, is in the Japanese language refers to purpose. And there's a confluence of four ideas. And I kind of modified the fourth, but the first is we have to identify something that we're actually good at. It's quite often that our purpose or in our ecosystem, we call it impact powers, work in alignment with things where we have a skill set. So if you're a really compelling public speaker or you're an amazing chef, or you can just like ask people questions and see into their soul, it is likely that that unique skill for you is something that is going to help inform your purpose. On its own, it doesn't. So Andre Agassi is a great example. He's a tennis player. For those of you who don't know that, amazing world-class, like world champion tennis player, doesn't like tennis. So it's amazing <laughs> that he has the skill, but he's like, I'd yeah. rather do anything but play tennis. So it's one thing to have the skill. That's one part of it, but it actually also has to be something that we love. So that skill that we have, it's something that we, when we're moving towards purpose, something that we're really compelled and good at, something that we really love. The third element that needs to be in place with respect to purpose is it needs to provide for contribution. So it needs to be something where you can contribute outside of yourself. It is not your purpose to engage in self-centered activities. Living in alignment with purpose is actually, it really is self-serving in so many ways, but it has to be able to be something that we can contribute towards others. And then the fourth category, because I hang out in this world we call anthropology, which is the confluence of, of mindset, business, and health, is that we, if you're really lucky, we can take that purpose and we can actually find a mechanism for it to be monetized for you. Okay. And that's one of my favorite things that I get to do with people is help them discover and uncover some of those other elements. And now we're like, okay, actually, how can we put this into the world in such a way that it can literally provide an income for you? It can actually become uh, your life's work, which to me is like the ultimate privilege in life to get up every day and actually be able to be earn an income from the work that is in alignment with purpose. So purpose isn't one thing. It's the confluence in my experience of these four elements. And when you start to hit them, it doesn't always have to be the monetization, but certainly the first three, when you hit it, yeah. it's a feeling and you just can't shake it. I get asked all the time, what's one product that I just can't live without when it comes to maintaining my own health and longevity? And my answer is something you've actually heard me mention on several episodes. It's called mitochondrial complex, and it's pretty much the Cadillac of multivitamins. And it's packed with antioxidants, including three key players, acetyl-L-carnitine, alpha-lipoic acid, and N-acetylcysteine. Think of a steam engine that requires coal to be continually shoveled into the furnace to power the train forward. Acetyl-L-carnitine does that for your body by shoveling short-chain fatty acids into your cells to provide your body with energy. This is an absolutely essential task to keeping you running. However, what's a byproduct of fire? You guessed it, smoke. Unfortunately, in this analogy, smoke from fire equals free radicals. To combat those free radicals, other antioxidants are needed, and that's where alpha-lipoic acid and N-acetylcysteine come in. Together, they scavenge free radicals and help boost and recharge glutathione, the most potent antioxidant in the body. To top it off, mitochondrial complex also contains a little bit of green tea extract, broccoli seed extract with sulforaphane, and even resveratrol. 
Research has shown that when athletes and individuals that are under stress begin taking this product, they are less likely to get sick as they're giving their body what it needs to conquer those stressors. Who doesn't need protection from stress and cellular damage at this time? I certainly do. I take this product every day. If you're interested in learning more about how mitochondrial complex can help support you living a longer, healthier life, check out my blog post on why antioxidants are important found at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash why dash antioxidants dash are dash important or in chapter four of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. To get 10% off our mitochondrial complex, just use code ENERGY when checking out at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now, let's get back to the show. That's beautiful. So I have to ask you, you're clearly very successful. So what is the biggest factor that has helped you become successful? And have you, I mean, with you finding your purpose and becoming successful, like, did you create these kind of four, do you call them steps? Or am I saying this right? Everything to me is like an image. So this to me is like a Venn diagram. It's like circle upon circle upon upon circle, but it's really, it's almost like these four quadrants that need to be in place. So did you use those four quadrants or did you get those in place as far as you finding your purpose and becoming successful? I guess that's what I'm trying to ask. Um, no, <laughs> but part of it was working was sort of deconstructing what worked for me. Like I really, and this is an evolution. So it's not like, Oh, yeah, I got yeah. my purpose. And You're I'm done. Good. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, part of it was having this total clarity on this mission, which was to give more people access to upstream medicine. That has been an unshakable commitment for myself for probably the last 20 years. So the manifestation, the way that that has evolved has thoroughly changed. But if someone would say, what is your purpose? My purpose is to put upstream medicine in the hands of millions of people. And I do that through a variety of mechanisms. And those mechanisms have changed over time. And, you know, I probably have more than one purpose, which is also to let people and give people permission to live their life in a state of purpose and to teach them and help them be able to monetize on their, on their purpose. That gets me really excited. And so I think it's having that clarity that has enabled me to hang out in this, in this space which is outside the box of traditional thinking. And to me, traditional thinking is one of the things that will squash your ability to feel purpose really, mm. really quickly. So when we subscribe to these, these rules of society, the way we have to do it, we're supposed to get a job and we're supposed to have stability and we're supposed to contribute to our 401k or RSP or whatever country you're coming from and your retirement savings plan looks like. We have all these rules and I'm always really interested in understanding how do I do all of those things I'm supposed to do and understand the essence and spirit of them, but do it in my own way, do it in a way that feels right to me. So I've always sure. been interested in that place, but I think what it came down to, and I had clarity on my mission, it enabled me to just hang out in this no man's land of courage. And courage, I think, is like the only thing you need to be an entrepreneur. You can figure the rest out. Mm. sit around and we wait. I'm like, when I feel confident, I'll pursue my purpose. Once I have enough confidence with whatever it is that I'm doing, I'll start to pursue my purpose. And, and in my experience, if we lead with courage, what we develop is competence. And suddenly what we realize we're carrying around without even knowing is this idea of confidence. So I think, you know, if we're like, what's your secret sauce? It was clarity on the mission that I was really driving. And two, it was a willingness to hang out in a courageous space over and over again in a variety of different uh, scenarios because the two kind of fed each other. Sure, sure. You interviewed me on your podcast and one of the last questions you asked was something like this entrepreneurship and you will have to rephrase this appropriately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, are, are we born with it or is that a skill that we can develop? Right. And my, my answer was, 
I said both. I can't, that's kind of a cop out, but I said both because I do know some people who like you were just, sure. you know, born into, you know, and I was as well into this entrepreneur family, still constantly starting businesses. I think it's in my blood, like, I, you know, uh, but I also know some individuals that started a business much later in life. They, right. they didn't even know any entrepreneurs and here they are, you know, starting a business. So I'm going to flip the script and, and ask you that question now that you're saying all you really need is courage to, to be an entrepreneur. So do, do you feel like we're born with the entrepreneurship in our, in our blood or is it something that can be learned? I think entrepreneurs are born. However, okay. I also think we are all born with the potential and the permission to gain clarity on purpose. And when you have clarity on your purpose, you realize that entrepreneurship is a very fast route towards its actualization. And so when I feel like when you're committed to purpose, people sometimes choose to select entrepreneurship as the route in which they are going to live their purpose. And for them, it's going to be a little bit harder and require a little bit more courage to do those traditional entrepreneurial things. But if, if we can get in alignment with that purpose thing, I think we can get more comfortable with that environment. I really do feel like I was born. Yeah. I was born an entrepreneur. I can't help. I just can't help myself. And I, I know from my friends who are like, I'm using entrepreneurship as the root for my purpose. They don't feel that way. They're like, the last thing I want to do is start more of these things. Like <laughs> I want to do the one that's serving my mission. So it's both and. Love it. Okay. So how did you begin to identify your unique abilities? Obviously as an 18 year old already starting your own business. I mean, I <laughs> kind of already shared a bit of that, but how did you begin to identify those abilities? I was a really insecure teenager. I wasn't confident that I was like the smartest person in the room. I think I spent a lot of time trying to prove to myself and to other people that I could I could hold my own. I moved around a lot as a kid. Like I was constantly thrown in these new environments. So, you know, it, this was not me as an 18-year-old kid being like, I'm like the entrepreneur in the room. I'm going to knock it out of the park. That was not the case. It was very much like it was scrappy. That I would just, I would, yeah. I was like, I don't have a choice, I guess. Like, I guess I can't be hired. I need to figure this out. And so I figured it out and I figured it out and I figured it out. So, you know, that was one thing I actually, I came to be reliant upon was I realized at a young age, my parents were divorced. I flew back and forth between their two homes for like eight years. I had like lounge access at 12. I learned at a very young age that I could at least be self-reliant and I could figure things out. I might not be the smartest one in the room. I might not be the one getting 100% on all my exams. I might like, I was doing my own thing, but I actually had faith at an early age that I would be able to figure it out. And then I realized the other thing I could usually do, I could talk my way in or out of things. So I was like, okay, I can figure stuff out and I can speak and the rest will let kind of fall into, will fall into place. But those were, those were two things that when I discovered those and I could be reliant on those things for myself, it made a big difference. And I, I think of some of those unique abilities as being a skill set, right? And skill set is part of this Venn diagram that you're, re you're referring to. So sure. how do others also do this? How do they identify what their skill set is, their unique abilities are? Right. This is really hard for people. It's like asking people to write their own bio. They're like, oh, like it just, it's hard. It's hard to talk about ourselves and pull these things out. So one, we're just going to step back to step one, which is we need you in a state of worthiness so that like, if you can't with your door closed, acknowledge some of the things that you're good at. We need to just start by working on your self-esteem because you are not pulling these things out and you are definitely not going to put them into the world. If you're like, mm, well, you know, I think I'm a good artist. Meanwhile, like you did half the art in the background, right? Like you have to be able to call it out. With that said, I know it's hard for people. And so ask the people around you. 
and give them really explicit directions. Say, look, I'm really working to uncover this piece. I would love for you to identify for me where you feel some of my strongest skill sets are. They can be anything from communicating to cooking to making you feel at ease in the room. Like if someone else were to ask you, what is Megan Walker good at? I want your set of answers. Don't ask your mom. She's not going to give you the most objective feedback. Like ask 10 or 12 people who are going to answer that. And you're probably going to find that there's similarities and commonalities among their answers. And that's usually where I'd get people to start. That makes sense. All right. How do we tap into our ultimate productivity? I kind of heard you say time blocking already in this episode. (laughs) Yeah, sure. So again, when you can hang out in that purpose state, I think that we can crack a different level of productivity because what happens is we're doing work that matters. And so if someone said to me, like, what is the fastest way to grow my business? I would say you need to make it matter. So if your business is something you do for fun, but your income is coming from somewhere else, it doesn't really matter right? It's like a fun hobby. So we actually need to put parameters in place that start to enable this to uh, matter. The time needs to matter. The money and the contribution needs to matter. The return on investment for you putting your energy, it needs to matter. So if it doesn't matter, you have to need to up the stakes. So maybe you just like publicly commit on the PTA that you're going to take on some huge thing, or maybe you tell your Facebook following, guess what guys, I'm launching this in the next year. Like you've got to make it matter. I think that's one of the secret sauces of productivity. Secondly, behind that is certainly time blocking. So I talk about four different types of time in something we call the uh, the anthropology time system. So we've got, we used to call them lockdown days, but the pandemic has totally changed our nomenclature <laughs> uh, around those. So we call these deep work days. These are days where we're going really, really deep on getting a, a significant project move forward for us. We have stage days. These are days where you're doing the work that actually earns you that income. So for clinicians, this is when you're seeing patients. We have things called momentum moments, which are smaller blocks of time throughout the work week where we're doing that deep work. We have follow through days where we're doing all of the scrappiness that comes along with the deep work and the stage days. And then we have play days and play days are really about restoration. And they're actually really critical to how you lay out your schedule and your, and your time. And, you know, if we don't make time to honor, right. If we don't honor restoration, Yeah. So you need those for the next three months, Stephanie. I want you to take take a play quarter, but if we don't respect the restore and the body's need for restore, the minds need to restore, the minds need to be creativity. It's really hard for us to work in alignment in those other areas. So we can time block all we want. We can make things matter. But the third piece is like play and health. We really need to give the body an opportunity to get up and move and and rebuild and do the things that are so critical. And for me, that is really where my health background and my interest in business and mindset sort of make this confluence and this, and this comeback is because if we don't have our health, you're going to fall short of hitting the goals that you could hit when you're living in alignment with purpose. And what was really interesting when I would work with my patients and we would start to talk about purpose, like part of my research in this area emerged because, you know, I was, had clarity for it for me, but then with my patients, I was like, huh, that's so interesting. Those people who are like living their purpose and dream and can articulate that they're in my office less frequently. They have less anxiety. They are less sick. They recover faster. There's like less incidents of like, what is going on here? So then I started to ask people when they would come in to see me, can you identify a sense of purpose in your life? And some people are like, um, I came in for my eczema. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, no. Like, so they were, they were kind of taken back. And then other people were ready to go with that question. 
over and over again, same recovery patterns, people who could identify purpose. So then I went in the literature and I was like, okay, there's no way I'm the only person who's observed this. Well, there's a huge body of literature actually looking individuals who can identify a sense of purpose. We see less incidence of cardiovascular disease. We see less incidence of recurring cardiovascular events in individuals who had previously had experienced a cardiovascular event. We saw decrease in neurological manifestations, lower cancer rates, increased longevity. Like it was compelling what we were seeing in terms of physiological outcomes uh, with respect to this idea of, of purpose. So there's this body of evidence that in a support. So then I was like, why is this happening? And so then when we go and we're like people who identify as having a sense of purpose, what we actually see among other things are blunted cortisol reactions. So cortisol being this thing that actually drives stress within your your body. When people are living in alignment with their purpose, we do not see the same dysregulation of cortisol and stress on the adrenal glands as a result of their actions and activities of daily living. So to me, I was like- That's cool. Oh my gosh. Like, I not only want you to sleep and eat well, but we have, like, we have to talk, we have to talk about purpose because look at all these compelling outcomes that we can actually drive with respect to your health when we help you to gain clarity around this piece. And at the same time, we've got these people, remember that continuum at the beginning, these people who are like, I have no sense of purpose and hate my work and get up every day and engage in stuff that absolutely brings me negative joy. I don't even know the opposite of joy, but (laughs) negative joy. Well, of course their health, like, of course their health is going to suffer. Could you be missing out on magnesium? If you aren't already taking magnesium, you likely should be. Our deficient food sources, caffeine consumption, stress, and exercise rob us of magnesium, which is an important cofactor for hundreds of processes in the body. It can calm your mind and ease your nerves to help you sleep at night and help reduce anxiety, PMS, and headaches. It can relax your muscles when you have cramps, your bowels when you're constipated, and it's required for energy, hormone production, and vitamin D absorption. If you're interested in exploring more about how magnesium can help support you living a longer, healthier life and the exact type of magnesium supplement to look for, check out my blog post, The Magnificence of Magnesium, found at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash blog. And use code magnesium for 10% off our magnesium chelate product at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now let's get back to the episode. Yeah. All right. I want to go back to play. So <laughs> enough <laughs> of the more science. What I need. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good though. I like hearing that. So how do you specifically balance purpose and play? I, I balance is just an interesting word. I mean, it's a beautiful word, but it's hard to achieve. I think it can be defined differently. It's, it, it's meaning is different to, to various people. So like, I don't know if you've heard of the wellness wheel. Have you heard of like a wheel with different spikes on it, right? Yeah. Or spokes, whatever they're called, right? For years, my wellness wheel has been filled with work, 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 right? And so yeah. then maybe my commitment to relationships or to play or, you know, the, the other pieces of that wheel suffer, right? And so for me, back to you liking your diagrams and whatnot, me seeing this wellness wheel and seeing the pieces of the puzzle that, wow, I'm neglecting, right, compared to how much is spent in, in work almost affirms me, right? Affirms that, oh, yes, I do need to play. I do need to increase that, <laughs> that spoke in the wheel or whatnot. Right. So for, for me, not that there's ever going to be this perfect balance on the, on the wellness wheel, right? But for me, I think that helps me understand, like, if my balance is off that visualization. So what helps you, I guess, what tools do you use? And, and how do you balance your purpose and your, your play as well? 
Yeah. So I used to believe that balance was a myth. And I believed that for a really long time. I was just like, we can't have, we just can't have balance. It's like one or the other. It was this oscillating thing. Right. And then what happened for me at least was that I, as again, the more, I just believe that the more clear we are on what we want, the easier it is to achieve these elements of balance. And so for me, when I got really, really granular and really clear around what my ideal life would look like, what I found was it was just balanced. It wasn't like, oh, I have a play day and then I have a work day. And then it was all kind of the same. And so I I created, I don't like rules. I also don't like to get in trouble. So I made rules for myself. So everything else I'm like, there are frameworks. Everything we talked about today is a framework. They're not rules, but I made rules for myself. And so one of the, and I reevaluate my rules on a quarterly basis. But for me, I was like, I want to walk my kids to school. So with rare exceptions, and I know what those exceptions are going to be, I get up and I walk my kids to school. And then my husband and I do a walk until 930. I literally don't do stuff until 930 in the morning, which means my health can come first. I'm in my podcast studio, but my juve is right over here and my Peloton's over there. And I was like, these are priorities for me. And so I make them priorities in my, in my day. So my day starts at 930 in the morning, most days in terms of quote unquote work, but I've already achieved like all these huge things that are in alignment with my ideal life before nine 30 in the morning. So then I do my stuff and then same thing in the evening. And we really consciously like punctuate our time with uh, what well, we used to with vacation and actually getting away versus I'm, I'm in Toronto and still in lockdown. You guys are all probably like years away from out of lockdown compared to where we are at, but we used to take vacation. And, and, you know, then I realized if I had a big event, I would have this carrot at the end of the event, which would be like, dang, I'm like, oh, I get to recover in a few days. And I'm like, wait a second, I'm way better doing an event if I'm off coming off a of vacation. So now yeah. I just take a vacation yeah. at the front and at the end of something big <laughs> that I have to do. And so I, when I got really clear that we have these expectations and these ways that things have always been done, I just started to question the ones that worked for me and didn't work for me. And I realized that when I work in alignment with a purpose and I'm clear on how I measure the outcomes of my purpose. So for me, I have to deliver results to my clients. Well, what do I need to do in my own life to deliver better results? I need to play more. I need to go for these walks Mm -hmm. in the morning. I need to take a vacation before I have a big project I'm executing and I get one on the other side. Like I just started to write my own, write my own rules and I reevaluate those on a regular basis so that I don't get caught in a paradigm. But that's been a game changer for me is creating clarity on what I actually want in my life and not necessarily making it what society says is how we're supposed to live our life. And that takes courage too. To schedule that vacation on the front of the back end, you know, <laughs> that, that, it also takes courage to make your own rules. But I love that. I love that. So when we think of women's professional performance, what are three huge areas that you help your clients with? The, the majority of the listeners are going to be female. So yeah, I mostly work with women. It's just kind of who, who we attract. So, you know, when I talk about anthropology, I talk about three core areas. I talk about business and most of the work that I do with respect to business development is with clinicians. So I help clinicians start to be able to scale a business so that it's serving them uh, in the way that they want to work. I talk about mindset. I love to talk about mindset. I mean, at the end of the day, we talked about this notion of courage. Courage is like, to me, the thing that is going to drive everything else that you do. And it takes a lot of self-work and a lot of mindset work to hang out in courage. So I hang out in that space. Um, And then thirdly, we help clients and people we work with around that health piece. 
And how do we actually create optimized health? Not the absence of disease, but like optimized health that helps us drive our purpose forward. And I really do believe that sort of this infinity symbol, the two feed each other in a really really profound way. And the way that I actually start with most people with respect to health is one, we identify purpose. And two, we completely deconstruct how they manage their time. Uh, Because I actually find that's the backdoor entry to getting people to be able to create the space and create the time to make that commitment to their health. And I know that's different than the way a lot of my other colleagues practice, but I'm really interested in what sabotages people's ability to continue to execute and be successful with respect to health. And I actually think it's the mismanagement and the misallocation of our time that often gets in the way first. Agreed. I want to, we're going to go, go off on a tangent here, but we'll come back to to purpose. (laughs) Um, So do you have a women's performance supplement line. Is that right? Yeah. So it's funny because we're just, we're just reworking it right now, but we do, we focused on four fundamentals. You know, I subscribe to this notion of some kind of daily multi. So usually one that optimizes mitochondrial health. I, I call it a hedge your bets protocol. I'm like, listen, like I want my pantry fully stocked with all the yes. ingredients I might need at a moment's notice. So it, we have a multi, we have a magnesium because magnesium naturally causes and helps support the body's ability to relax. We also upregulate magnesium when we're stressed. I know you know this. I'm just sharing. I'm sharing no, my, please, my please. thinking on these yes. pieces. We carry a fish oil because I really think that we consume a disproportionate amount of omega-6s in our, in our diet. So we're looking at restoring uh, that ratio and it just makes your skin look nice and your hair look nice and your nails and, you know, because that's, I want, I want those things too. Um, and then lastly, a green supplement and I put a greens in there and I know some people love them. Some people don't, but at the end of the day, when I'm like, Oh my gosh, I haven't eaten well today. Or, Oh my goodness. We like, I don't know. We went for ice cream three times or whatever happened to take place on a given day. I'll just load myself in greens. It's like the thing I do that's so easy, low barrier to entry uh, way of increasing nutrient density and energy within my system. And I usually just subscribe to this idea that if it's the standard I have for myself, it's the standard I'm going to have for other people. So it's the fourth product that we have. Absolutely. I, I agree. I agree. Well, tell us where listeners can connect with you and find you. And I know you have an amazing free gift that revolves around purpose, which was our topic today. Yeah. I love to just share our adventures on my uh, on my Instagram. So it's just Dr. Megan Walker. You can definitely find me there. And there's links off my Instagram to hang out with me on my own podcast, The Anthropology Podcast. And uh, we have a weekly show that explore those three things, business, mindset, and health, and how we leverage them to be able to create our ideal life. Awesome. And I will post a link to your free gift in the show notes. Which tell us about that again, real quick. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, you know, I alluded to this that we have a a time system. We call it the anthropology time system. How do we start to break down that time? I really believe that this sort of underscores how we achieve good health, how we create space and time for purpose and play, Stephanie. Um, So uh, that's what we delve uh, we delve into is the anthropology time system and how to leverage that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and emphasizing why finding our purpose is so important and helping our listeners learn how to find it. But most importantly, thanks for your dedication to female entrepreneurs helping us become those powerhouses to change the world. So thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Dr. Walker is incredible and inspiring. I absolutely love what she said about giving you permission to explore and pursue your purpose. Every listener, you have permission. If you need help with this and you'd like to connect with Dr. Walker, start by checking out her free gift, link of which will be posted in the show notes. And be sure to check out Dr. Walker's Anthropology podcast, which I was honored to guest on episode number 214. 
Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. The podcast is produced by the team at Counterweight Creative. As always, thank you so much for listening and remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.